Hi everyone, a very warm welcome back to No Talking At All with me, Apeksha. Uh, you can hear the birds chirping in the background as we're sitting here on a wonderful Bangalore morning when I'm recording this. And this episode is very much an ode to India and the various cultural experiences and amazing things about this country. If you're listening to this on a day like today, then India is in dire need of your help to fight COVID-19. Oxygen is short, food supplies are getting difficult to access for people in underprivileged communities, and there are a ravage of other situations that could be helped by a donation from your side. So you can log on to donate.indiacovidresources.in to make a contribution, whether you're in India or abroad. I will drop the link in the description, and thank you in advance for any contribution you are able to make. And with that, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show. Are you excited to be here? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you. And for our listeners' reference, it is particularly hard to get a hold of my mom, mostly because our two dogs follow her everywhere and love to bark. And this mic picks up on absolutely every noise they make. Um, So getting a nice, quiet environment is kind of hard to do. But we have a lot of hands around the house helping us secure the dog so that we can get this very coveted interview. So we'll just get right into it. So for those who listened to our previous episode, uh, I spent some time with my dad and my brother talking about the concept of being a third culture kid. And a lot of people associate being a third culture kid with growing up across different countries. Now I want to kind of challenge that notion um, using a very perfect example um, of how being a third culture kid doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave the confines of a single country. Um, you know, there's there's other ways that that can be explored, which will be very clear to you soon. So I'll let my mom introduce herself and kind of explain why I'm talking about this in this kind of cryptic way. Um, mom, if I am correct, you did not leave India until you got married, correct? That's right. But how many different houses did you live in before you got married? Um, Let me count. Um, I would say probably at least 15. 15. One five houses before the age of 22 when you got married. Okay, so that's already quite a bit. Um, And how many different cities did you live across? So I was born in a state called Madhya Pradesh. and in a small town called Parasia, which was probably like 40 kilometers from the nearest small town and uh, probably more than a couple of hundred kilometers from a major tier two city Mm. at that point in time, right? So dad was working in uh, 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 coal mines. Uh, He was a mining engineer. So these coal mines traditionally were located in rural areas or remote India, right? Uh, I mean, I'll describe my journey, but that's how mostly the areas where I lived were very, very remote. Um, 
And to get to the nearest school, even as a small kid, you would have to take a one-hour bus journey. Right. Okay? So I, I see myself as always a, I describe myself as a small town girl, because that's what, that's how it's been. So I was born in Madhya Pradesh. Then uh, I spent the first few years of my life there. And even there, you know, uh, we were living in different locations. So we were changing houses every couple of years, two, three years, uh, because of the nature of my dad's job. And uh, then when I was about seven years old, we went uh, for a summer vacation uh, to my grandparents' house. And uh, as we got there, my dad had a slip disc problem uh, at the railway station and he couldn't move. Uh, literally, he became immobile. And so he was kind of in that state for a year. Um, and, and we had to, you know, um, uh, basically, I mean, our, our whole life changed, uh, turned upside down because he was hospitalized and there were three little kids. My brother is a year older, my sister is a year younger. And, you know, my this was like completely unexpected um, and we had very, very generous relatives who um, offered to, uh, you know, take us in and look after my dad for a year because, you know, our, obviously we had started our education, so we had to be somewhere, right? So me and my brother um, went to my maternal grandma's house for a year um, while my dad was getting treatment. So that's where I spent... Uh, one year in a place called Rampur uh, in uh, the state of Uttar Pradesh. And then um, following that, um, I, you know, my, once my got, dad got a little better, we uh, moved to Delhi for a couple of years where my mamaji, who's my mom's brother, and at that point in time, he was a member of parliament, like an equivalent of a senator, very generously offered to host us, our family, for couple of years I'm really really grateful to uh, you know my family my mom's family my dad's family for you know being very very uh, key pillar of support in those years while we were um, you know really trying to figure out uh, what to do and more importantly just not just uh, sustain ourselves but also make sure we got the required education uh, you know that was not interrupted so we spent a couple of years in Delhi where my dad started working in a city office rather than in the field. So I, that's how I ended up studying in Delhi for a couple of years. And once my dad got a little better and then he was ready to, uh, you know, go back and take um, a regular job, uh, we moved to a place called Nagpur, which is in Maharashtra. So that was like I was uh, going to fifth standard. So um, I spent three years in Nagpur. So let me also describe like, you know, how education system works in India. So every, every time, uh, you know, in any school, um, you are required to learn, uh, study a first language, a second language and a third language. And a third language typically is the language of the state. If you are not, unless you are in like a, what, uh, there's a concept of these central schools, which are, which are like sort of government run schools, um, very, very prestigious across the country and a lot of armed forces um, 
members and you know central government people typically utilize that uh, but for some reason we were in these uh, convent schools but that meant that i had to study a third language wherever i was so when we moved to maharashtra this third language was marathi so i started picking up marathi uh, as a language and i you know started understanding the culture of the state the city um you know and it's like making new friends uh, all over again right uh, and you're still very little you don't fully understand you know and knowing that uh, dad uh, is in a transfer job you will move again mm-hmm. uh, but we don't know when right so i think those 3 years i really um uh, had a great time in the city of nagpur uh, which is known for oranges and it's in central india was used to be super hot so you get to experience a very different you know way of um, living in in the summer area it is one of the hottest places in india mm-hmm. during summer and then uh, after i completed so sort of my middle school my dad got transferred to west bengal uh, and west bengal is eastern india um, and uh, we moved there and this was again starting all over again and and it's it was very interesting back in those days even uh, schools in india unless like i said you were in this kendriya vidyalaya central school the schools had a luxury of depending on which region you were in picking the academic year from a based on you know when they think part was right so for example when i was in nagpur the school started in june july time frame and you know that's how it was or even august i can't remember but when i when we moved to bengal uh, and i was starting my 8th grade believe it or not so it was again a completely different board as well you know because when i was in maharashtra it was a maharashtra board of education uh, but because i told you we chose these schools which were again some of the best schools uh, in the city and we were fortunate to uh, get admission in those schools uh, and very often these were common schools um, so in when we moved to bengal i joined the school um, the retro convent the academic year had already started and not just that i was again faced with this problem of uh, picking up a third language uh, which was bengali so just to keep tabs so far i think this is the fifth location that you were at yeah many houses but but location wise yes yeah. Uh, yeah and this is also the fifth language you had to learn because at home you were already speaking hindi and punjabi yeah. you were learning english alongside things in school you would learn marathi and now here is bengali language yeah. number 5 yes yes going back to marathi i i became pretty fluent because you know i picked up at the right time but then when i moved to bengal this was um you know a challenge all over again and uh, a challenge in the sense because you know i had to learn very quickly and um bengal is one of our richest from culture perspective it is one of the richest cultures from language from art from um, you know movies whatever you name it you know and one think, of the highest literacy rates in india exactly exactly so it's a very rich culture at the same time you know this is completely now adapting to a new culture it was almost like you know moving to another country right uh, to be honest uh, because i think like in like if you move to us from one place to another uh, thing you know things don't change so much but here it is like it's like it's a different region right um so in addition to picking up again you know new friends and this language piece was always there a challenge <laughs> i mean i knew it was coming right. and now it was like you know people had been learning bengali since an early age and probably spoke at home and spoke at home and a lot of them were 
became, sort of became native speakers because even though it was not their uh, mother tongue, but because of the environment, they picked it up very well. In mingling also, it made a huge difference because again, uh, the dynamics of the place was such that, you know, you, you mingle better if you knew the language, yeah. right? I think that's probably true for any place. So I, uh, you know, uh, again, I had to not just learn. I mean, it was like read, write. And I picked it up, uh, I think, pretty okay. Um, and I, I was able to learn it. It took me twice as long to take an exam than my, you know, other friends. Uh, but just like, again, understanding the Bengali culture, you know, uh, uh, watching movies and understanding, you know, like I said, it, it was really, really rich in um, uh, one of the finest uh, uh, movies were made in Bengal so you know you start appreciating a lot of that as well right so within you know we were moving houses every few years because again my dad was posted in different coal mines and you know he was managing those coal mines so uh, you you are not just um, you could be in a similar environment but then again you are um, in a new new house or new uh, place and, and believe me these are again in remote areas and when I was in Bengal it would take me hour and a half to get to school and hour and a half to get back mm. so people n never really understood what um, my challenges were right I, I would spend a lot of time studying in the bus because you know those two three hours that I got were very very precious because by the time I got home I was so tired uh, that I would doze off very early right uh, I think it taught me a lot because you know you you have to constantly adapt to new places new cultures and not just that i mean you have to create a belonging very quickly mm. i mean i had friends who quite never understood because they had been in the same place same school same location for uh, for their entire life right uh, from their for the whole uh, school life so they never really understood I mean, I was not the only one. There were a few more kids who were like, you know, going, doing this in and out. And some people find it very easy, but some people do have a challenge. But I think what it taught me uh, was how to adapt very quickly. And, and I think that that would be a lesson that I would carry with me for a lifetime, right? Uh, so given any um, change, it does not make me uncomfortable. Right. Um, so it actually, you, you end up... Uh, sort of adjusting, accommodating to learning new things, learning new language, culture, people, you know, just whatever it is. It is almost like building a, like a muscle memory. Mm. Uh, they say, right, if you do it so many times, your brain automatically is conditioned to work a certain way. Right. So that's how I got conditioned because I was moving so quickly um, that, you know, this was sort of became second nature. You, you know, I had a, um, a arranged marriage which was arranged in a matter of days with a person I didn't even know. If that last line made you go, wait a second, what? Don't worry, we'll get back to that in a future episode. But because I had been very familiar with, you know, being around strangers, it did not intimidate me. And the biggest decision of my life, I was able to take it very quickly. Of course, I had a few phone conversations with my husband to be at that point in time, but I was even ready to just leave the country with him, right, and move to a new country, U.S., uh, at the age of 22. But that was because I think it, it was easy for me because I had been brought up in this culture. And I became, I will say, um, a child of multiple 
cultures within India. Yeah, like an all Indian kid yes. almost. So oftentimes if people ask me where you belong from, I have a very, I have a challenge because I'm, my parents are from Punjab. I don't speak Punjabi. I mean, I understand I can speak. Uh, I speak better Bengali than Punjabi mm-hmm. uh, because of, again, uh, the languages I picked up. So I can't pinpoint to one place. Right. Uh, and it, it, I lived in the U.S. for 13 years after that. I came back to India. We moved uh, different uh, cities again. Uh, I mean, we were in Karnataka, where it's uh, Canada, then uh, Andhra, where it's Telugu, then uh, in Delhi, where it's again Hindi. And, but but I can't pinpoint and say I belong to this place. So I always say uh, I'm a global citizen. Right. Uh, and a global Indian too. Right. So. Absolutely. No talking at all. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay tuned, everyone. So I think you've talked a lot about how this kind of shaped your personality and this like adaptability ability that you have. I'm curious about what things from these different places did you kind of pick up and what became a part of your personality? Like how did being in Bengal, being in Maharashtra, and even being in places post-wedding, like what are some key experiences that you think have kind of shaped who you are today? So I think this travel and living in different places really opens up your mind. So you you learn to appreciate different cultures, accept differences. I think that's very, very important. And being able to relate to people. You know, in my like current job, I meet people from various parts of India, various parts of the world. And believe it or not, I'm able to relate to most of them, having grown up in different places. And, and by the way, not only did I grew up on in all these different places in India, but my dad loved traveling and we traveled a lot as a family in India, right? So just we visited uh, all of India, uh, north, south, east, west. Uh, and I'm thankful for those opportunities because then you, st- you are able to understand people, right? What inspires them, what motivates them, why they behave a certain way. Uh, and I'm not saying mostly people are the same at heart. But sometimes culture influences, you know, some behaviors. Mm. So I'm able to relate to that. And I'm able to create special bonds with people uh, because of that. So earlier, what was more like a challenge for me has now turned into an advantage because I can pretty much relate to anybody anywhere, right? right. Uh, and, and again, having lived in the U.S., I'm able to you know, relate to that culture and even... Sometimes when we discuss why people behave a certain way, I'm able to put across my experiences to them as well, my, you know, my colleagues or whoever it is, uh, so that, you know, we, we can create a good rapport. All right. So we've talked a lot about language. We've talked a lot about culture and behavior. There is one thing I promised Papa I would ask you about because this is something, as much as we're talking about adaptability, there is a rumor that after you moved to the U.S., you had a little trouble weaning off of Indian food. Um, So I'm just curious, you know, when you were literally picking up your basket full of Indian experiences, having to actually go to Thailand for a little bit uh, to make a quick stopover, which you can speak about, and then go to the U.S., what was it like kind of assimilating into the global equivalent of your childhood experiences in India? And when exactly did the food shift start happening? So that's a very interesting question. 
Uh, so I, I mentioned about culture and people and movement and all that. Yeah. So food definitely was a also an important uh, part because the staple diet, the food people eat in different parts of India is so different, right? And of course, through my uh, travel and through my you know experiences living in these places, learned to appreciate all these cuisines. So I became a huge fan of Indian cuisine. So in my mind, like yeah, when I moved to US, I loved Indian cuisine, and I was hesitant to try anything else because there was so much variety in Indian cuisine that I didn't to go out. You right. know, if you are tired of North Indian, you try South Indian cuisine. You know, or you try something else. There's like so much variety. Yeah. And there's one other interesting uh, thing, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. So mostly as kids, when we were growing up, the only non-Indian cuisine we were exposed to was Chinese. And in reality, it's not Chinese-Chinese, it is Indo-Chinese cuisine, right? Yeah. So my first experience, um, although I grew up mostly in a vegetarian family, and we uh, are mostly vegetarians, but I used to love this dish uh, when I was a little older called chili chicken. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll describe one, one very funny incident. So when we got married, we uh, went to Thailand, you know, en route to our U.S. Um, journey. Uh, and that's where my in-laws were mm-hmm. in, uh, in Bangkok. So what happened was I told my husband that, you know, I wanted to try chili chicken in Thailand. So we went to a very fancy, he took me to a very fancy uh, Chinese place in um, Pattaya. We were in Pattaya for a honeymoon and I said, I want Chinese food and I want chili chicken. And that chicken came and I, it was like nothing what I imagined it You're to like, be. what is this? I was like, what is this? I, this is not what I was looking for. I want the chili chicken, the Indian chili chicken, the Chinese chili chicken. So Sanket says, no, this is the actual Chinese food. Yeah. And, and my mind was not ready to accept. So I think maybe right there it was like, this is not, you know, gelling with my palate my palate and my my mentality of you know what food is supposed to be like that Chinese food right right right. Uh, so I think I had that experience in my mind Uh, and then when I moved to US it was not like I I wasn't willing to try but then you know I had a couple of like bad episodes too like for example I went to a Mexican restaurant with uh, my husband and then we we ordered some tacos and we were served like beef tacos by mistake and I literally, you know, I took a bite and I, I was like, what is this? And I ran out of the restaurant, not even knowing what it was. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it came a, as a shock. And I, I almost like gave up non-veg. I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get. Mm. And what is this food? Right there, I, I think I closed my mind. And I said, I'm not willing to experiment with different foods. I used to cook Indian food at home all the time. And when we go, would go out, um, Saket would ask me that, you know, you, whether you want to try something. And I would say, yes, yeah, we let's go eat uh, like something else today Italian or something but as we were heading to the restaurant in the car I would convince him you know just this once please just this once I just want to eat Indian food and then again invariably we would end up eating Indian food and I think maybe it was also because I had not left India till I was 22 and I think it gave me that comfort and I wanted even like at home of course we were cooking Indian food uh, and even when I remember even when we went for a, for a beach trip and there was a very fancy restaurant we went uh, there and we uh, ordered some very good salmon and fish and I was like but I, I was remembering Chola Badura in my mind you know, I was like okay I'm going to eat Indian food so this was like no I can't right and I, I you know I remember we drove back like 100 miles and we didn't even go home we went straight to an Indian restaurant because I was like I'm done you know and I think I think maybe in my mind it was about 
the, the comfort Indian food brought. Uh, I think that, is, that was probably the key uh, because I was in a new land, completely different. I mean, of course, I, we tra- talked about, you know, traveling in India, living in India in different cultures. But this was this is a completely different place, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you are you're so young, you're starting your life um, uh, in a very different phase of your life. But then you still want that comfort. So this is how you you know food became a very important aspect. But slowly, I think um, when I started, uh, you know, I was uh, I finished my education, uh, um, master's degree there, and then I started working. So it was when we were working, we would go out for lunches. I started experimenting a little bit and it took a year and then I realized what I was missing and then there was no looking back I I didn't you know then I realized what I was missing uh, and I remember after those first two three years I didn't want to eat Indian outside because I was like God look at that preparation I can make better food at home but these other cuisines were prepared so well uh, and tasted so good suddenly I think my palate uh, adapted and so did my personality. Right? Yeah. So I think maybe the turning point was, yes, I, I grew to accept the American culture and the food and the people. And American culture here is not just, uh, you know, I'm saying, when I'm saying food, it's different cuisines there. Yeah. You know, so for me, uh, it happened very, when I was very um, young again, I was, I think, less than 25. And uh, I finally accepted that, yeah, this is, the, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Because then when we had kids, when we had you, we decided as parents that we would, you know, introduce our kids to international cuisine right away so yeah. that they don't have a problem No adapting. picky eaters yes. here. Yes. Yeah. When I hear you talk about this, I think specific to India, it seems like you kind of had your family as this kind of concept of comfort, right? And you were moving from place to place, but at least you always had that. And then when you left, as you said, you did not know Papa particularly well. So your comfort then took the form of food. Um, And what's interesting to me is at your turning point, you told me it was when you started working, where I imagine you started to find your own sense of community there, and that allowed you to break out. So um, I'm just curious, like, after my kind of take on that, how would you kind of define your sense of home, like, throughout the course of your life? Because it seems like it's taken a lot of different shapes and forms. So I think it's, um, believe it or not, after I think now... Since I we just spoke about 15 homes, I think um, now it's probably 25 homes. For me, uh, what makes a home is your is the people, you know, not the actual physical home. Although, yeah, that is also very important because you know, even when uh, after living in the U.S. for 13 years, we decided to suddenly one day move back to India. Uh, I think Papa was quite convinced that we should move because he had not really experienced living in India. And for me, um, you know, I had a very comfortable job. Um, I really loved being there. I was working at Nike. So, I mean, when Papa said, let's move, I said, okay, let's do it. And I was not afraid of that adventure, right? Yeah. Um, so it sort of became an adventure. You know, this this movement from place to place became an adventure, uh, a series of adventure that we would undertake. Um, and we wanted our kids to experience it too. Uh, so, so, so that's why I think then it no longer became about uh, you know, attached to a house or a place or a city. It just became about the people. Uh, and you'll, you'll make friends. And But also, I think it's also you have to find that contentment and that happiness within. You, you know, you have you always have people around you, your friends, your, uh, you know, colleagues at work or whoever it is, and you make them your part of the external family. 
Uh, but then, you know, your own family becomes the center of how you start uh, orienting yourself. And, and it's very important that, um, you know, when you orient yourself like this, it doesn't mean, you know, going out to parties every day or bars or it becomes more like, you know, I need to find things to keep myself busy as well. I mean, like I said, find that happiness within. And when I'm with people, I'm, I'm very happy there too. But then I've sort of found a good balance between uh, spending quality time with family as well as spending time with uh, others. Mm. right? And I've picked up a lot of hobbies that I've learned on the way, you know, from painting to photography to candle making and recently it's soaps. So I think uh, this is how I conceptualize it, especially in this pandemic times right now. You can't mingle with people. So if you, if you don't have anything else to do, you can really be, um, you know, miserable. Yeah, right? get cabin fever. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, we, I mean, I, I reach out to people. I talk to uh, family and friends as needed. And we, you, we make an effort to do that. But then, you know, the other things you do, you, you know, you read books, you watch um, movies or whatever it is in your free time. Of course, work keeps us very busy. But then you, you find your own way to have, find that inner happiness, right? Right. Um, yeah. A kind of rhythm a sense of self, yeah. and a sense of importance. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, a lot of very interesting themes have come up here. I'm so glad the topic of food arose because that's going to be a major topic of conversation throughout the course of this podcast. Um, we talked a lot about belonging. We talked a lot about adaptability. Um, and these are all things that are you know, just an inherent part of life, um, but definitely really interesting when you're exploring this concept of identity. So actually, I'll add one thing because I, I just remembered this. So, you know, uh, we talked about that turning point where I started uh, enjoying international cuisine. And uh, both me and my husband were big foodies in those days. I and mean, we still are. And our kids are also now. You and Avitya also are. Oh, yeah. But, but actually, what was interesting was cooking became a passion for me. It became a therapeutic experience. And I remember I would go to a, a restaurant. We would enjoy, uh, you know, eat a new dish. And I would deconstruct the whole recipe in my mind and I would come and try it at home. So that's how uh, I'm very comfortable now, even cooking international cuisines, be it Mexican, be it Thai, Chinese, whatever it is. So I'm very comfortable with that concept. I think what it did for me was it opened up a door where I could use then cooking as well, or involve it. I mean, so much that it became part of my cooking. It was like reflective uh, of the experience. Experience, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Do you think seven-year-old Rachita would believe me if I told her that however you're years old now, Rachita has random cravings for Thai food? Not at, I mean, seven years, I probably, I didn't even know. And I mean, at that point, I didn't even know that Thai food existed. But even if you say 18-year-old, um, even then, probably no, right? Uh, because I didn't know what journey uh, lay ahead. But I'm very, very grateful uh, for the experiences and the opportunities. I think uh, it's just uh, it's a bit my blessing, you know, what we have experienced and continue to experience. A lot of gratitude for that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mom, for courageously taking on this entire episode alone. Not that you were alone. I was here too. But it was really awesome to hear your story. Would you like to say thank you to our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, thank you. And I think, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to share my journey. The concept of belonging, I think that's why people struggle with movement because they, they feel they can't belong. But I think 
it can certainly become part of your personality, nature. Adaptability itself can bring that sense of belonging and you have to keep your mind open because you learn so much about people, cultures, uh, and it gives you a very different level of understanding of how to treat people, how to work with people, how to uh, mingle with people, right? right. Uh, and uh, I think if, if we all did that, uh, the world would be a very, very different place. Yeah. In Tolkien's words, not all who wander are lost, lost right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you very soon. Thank you. No Talking at All is produced by me, Apeksha Atal, out of the comfort of my bedroom in Bangalore, India. And our theme music is by Kai Roberts. You can check Kai out on his Instagram, at Kai Roberts Music. Once again, thank you for listening. If it's Mother's Day where you are, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And again, if you are able to, I would really appreciate any donations made towards Indian COVID relief efforts. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you in the next one.